Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hello, loves. Welcome back to another episode of The Sensual Revolution. I hope that your 2022 has been off to such a loving and heart-nourishing and supportive start. I'm really excited because we have an awesome guest here with us today, Yaz Harris, who is a non-binary sex worker, Middle Eastern queer, who loves making people feel welcome. They developed a self-intimacy practice called the Intimate, which you'll hear all about today. It uses movement and other practices that calm the nervous system enough to make space for play and pleasure. We love to see it. Yaz is an in-dungeon pro-dominant as well as a queer community organizer. And their program, Wake the Fuck Up, which is a mostly queer virtual community space for making the mornings not just tolerable, but joyful, especially in the winter months and in pandemic times, is something that you'll hear all about today. We had such a powerful and whole conversation around sex work, around our own journeys and the parallels in our journeys with spiritual bypassing and shifting into a more grounded, socially aware form of self-love and empowerment. We talk about why the sex work empowerment method, which means like fixating on empowering perspectives only around sex work is actually quite limiting and you'll hear me have like a gorge learning moment in this episode thank you Yaz you'll also hear about Yaz's journey their personal journey with claiming queerness and gender expression how the pandemic catalyzed more authentic expression for a lot of us also the role that fashion can play in our own empowering gender expression and we get into finding joy in the mornings and why so many of us might struggle with waking up so this is a really whole conversation I'm so excited for you to hear it definitely always always happy to hear what resonates with you shares and reviews are always so appreciated and really help us to amplify these messages so let's go ahead and dive in
Hello, beautiful people. I'm so excited to be here with Yaz. Yaz is such a freaking cool human and has so much to share with us. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Marley. Yay. Can we start with this like kind of meta or not meta question, which is like, who are you in this chapter of your life? I've listened to your podcast enough to know that this question was <laughs> nice. definitely coming. Today, I feel like a tender little goofball. Mm-hmm. Two of my favorite types of qualities to kind of hold on to. Um, in general, I'd say in a larger picture, I'm a human first and a creator second. I love mm-hmm. working and existing within the sex positive and kink space. I love spending my time being surrounded by other strange humans, specifically non-binary and other trans and queer folks. So I'd say that's who I am. I'm a human who loves to connect. I love to make things. I love to laugh and I love to orgasm. Yay. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That was like such t-shirt material. (laughs) Here for it. So this might be a big question. Answer it however you like. But can you tell us about the work that you do and like what led you to that work? Yeah, totally. This is always probably my least favorite question, just because I find talking about my work and career and stuff to be just very challenging. There's a lot of imposter syndrome that comes up around this. And I think that maybe a lot of other freelancers or people who are kind of creating their own path can relate to this. It's kind of hard to describe sometimes what it is that you do when you're you can't just like adopt the job title that you were given when you signed your contract, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think if I were to really sum it up, I'd say that I am a movement encourager and play facilitator within the sphere of sensuality. And so I started my adult career, let's say, thinking that I was going to pursue the path of journalism. And specifically, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a fashion journalist. (laughs) Which is just so funny for me to think about now. I don't know why it always makes me laugh. Um, Yeah, I fucking hated school. Like that was terrible. I was a straight A student in high school and then I got to university and I wasn't like the most special kid anymore. Was not into that. Not gonna lie. We like to be special. I love to be special. I like to be the most special. Relatable. You'd think I was an only child, not, but anyway. um, Yeah, and then I dropped out of school and pursued yoga and I existed within like the wellness sphere. And I would honestly say probably the most toxic side of the wellness sphere for quite a couple of years. I'd say like, if you were to just look at me, I was just emanating like spiritual bypassing to the max. You too? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I'm really, I'm like mind blown with how much I'm relating. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was bad, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I felt so good. Mm -hmm. I was learning so much. I was growing. And so I thought that I wanted to be a yoga teacher. And then I'd say that meeting my current partner who I've been with for about three years now was a really important step in kind of stepping away from that. He is an academic and super, super, super skeptical and just started Mm -hmm. asking getting started encouraging me to ask some more questions about why I was practicing what I was practicing where these practices were coming from and what I really thought that I was you know bringing forward to the table 
Mm-hmm. And then I guess from that point, I started transitioning more into being interested in how movement could be used as a tool for settling your nervous system to get to a point where you could play better or like love harder. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I fell into sex work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my two worlds just started, kind of started colliding. So I currently work as a, an in-house dominant. My Dom's persona is Mix Eris. Mix is a gender neutral honorific and being in-house essentially means that I work in a dungeon space. Um, So, you know, it's, there's all these different rooms. There's like a medical room. There is a human side, a large adult sized um, cage and like all these tools and implements all over the world, all over the wall. And I have like a little Dom community. And then, so I started kind of like mixing those two things together. So I think my, what I'm interested in creating work-wise now is for continuing to develop this practice called Yintimate, which essentially Mm -hmm. uses five main pillars, including long hold postures, like yin postures, dynamic movement, self-affirmations, either internal or out loud, self-touch and sound as a way to develop self-intimacy to kind of like deal with compet, to deal with uh, the idea of performativity, to kind of figure out what arouses you, and then hopefully to be able to translate that into a future relationship if you so desire, whether that be platonic or another varied level of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I love like queer community building. So I have this program called Wake the Fuck Up. That's all about waking the fuck up if that wasn't clear enough from that and it's a queer forward community did any of that make any sense to you oh my gosh so much so many things okay the the number one reflection I hear from this feedback is appreciation anytime someone mentions imposter syndrome they're like I feel so seen and validated so like thank you for just taking us off with that because I can definitely relate And, um, oh, I can relate to like going from academic spaces into like spiritual bypassing spaces. Um, uh, I'm curious what that was like for you to shift from like spiritual bypassing land into these really like sex positive spaces. And I just, I just found that in spiritual bypassing land, there wasn't I didn't find there was much space for full expression around sexuality, queerness, like gender expression, all these things. So like, what was that like for you to kind of shift from that into this space of like sex work and queer community and all of these things? Mm, Great question. Uh, Definitely uncomfortable. It was uh, definitely nice to exist in this little bubble of self-responsibility like I'm in charge of my own life and like all I believe in karma everything's happening for a reason the universe this the universe that and it was yeah it was kind of disturbing to kind of realize like you know there are systemic issues out there that are definitely like standing in a lot of people's ways from being able to just manifest themselves a better future Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's made me a more well-rounded human less ignorant human but ignorance is bliss right like there was definitely a certain pleasure that existed in being a part of that spiritual community but like you've kind of hinted to already like there isn't actually a lot of space to be your whole self there because 
negativity or certain expressions of self are definitely frowned upon. Mm -hmm. And so I found in total the sex positive communities that I have had the pleasure of being a part of, the mentors that I've been able to learn from, the the reading and education that I've had that I have had access to um, have definitely shown me that there is space to be all of you and that there are healthy and you know fully adapted ways to express those things um Mm -hmm. and they don't make you less of a less of a human or or whatever but yeah it was definitely challenging but I have enjoyed enjoyed the ride yeah yeah (laughs) yeah oh my gosh I'm so happy we're talking about this because it's just been such a big like I feel like when I first um kind of like realized that a lot of the spirituality I was engaging in was like a lot of bypassing and toxicity it was so glass shattering Mm -hmm. and um it's just it's just nice to to have the solidarity I'm just like oh my gosh I get it it's Um, like how would you summarize (laughs) that to put it in your dating profile to adapt or to like attract people who have also been on this side of it like I feel like we need to start our own little community Yes, I've heard the word, the, the wording healing from healing. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. exactly that. It's like, yeah, we don't even realize how much of like capitalism and patriarchy and like really limiting gender constructs and things we're bringing into like those spiritual spaces. And we're doing it like in the name of freedom and love. And it's like, but is it really loving? So uh, there's so much to it. I feel really excited about the work that you do as a dom. I'm like, this is so fucking cool. Um, can you share more about like what that's been like for you? And 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 like obviously there's so much friggin' stigma and like mythology bullshit around sex work in general. And I'd love to hear about like the parts of this work that have been really empowering for you if that's the wording that you would use like what have you sourced from that experience that maybe feels more like empowering and reclamation based and Mm. like feel free to be like none of that wording resonates yeah I appreciate the invitation to kind of like step away from that wording I feel like a lot of people as a way to kind of wrap their heads around why somebody would choose to approach sex work is to fixate on the idea that it's empowering. And for a Mm. lot of people, it simply just isn't. I know Mm. for myself, like I came at it pretty much from a place of necessity. You know, we were mid pandemic. I had literally no idea what I was doing with my life. I was struggling to make rent and I figured, okay, you know what? Like this is an avenue that is at the time felt like one of the only ones that I had access to I definitely was interested in it like I'd been a part of the kink and sex positive community for quite some time I definitely like looked up to the sex workers that I knew and really wanted to give it a try for myself Mm -hmm. and honestly thank god for it because I was able to make rent for about six months like doing that at a time where I didn't really have any other I didn't have any other sources of income so it was a little scary um I've definitely learned a lot about myself through it and feel empowered but I don't know how much of that I would necessarily equate to the sex work itself but more with just everything else that was kind of going on in my life 
during that period. Mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely like, I I am going to say like, it's made me more confident in certain ways. It's definitely like given me new language and more of a assuredness in terms of like stating my boundaries and being a better communicator around boundaries or like things in general that I'm willing or not willing to engage with and like Mm -hmm. learning how to communicate with a wide range of people about about sex and pleasure and joy and connection so it's taught me a lot Mm -hmm. um but yeah I definitely there's an amazing book called revolting prostitutes written by two former sex workers that are deep into academia and not only do they go into you know some really great information about all the existing um models of legality around the world and how sex workers operate Um, Mm -hmm. but also they really try and you know get you to think more about this whole empowerment method um, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting and I think like some really awesome like basic learning for people within the sex positive community to spend a little bit of time learning about it is a little bit um, thick it's a little dense So I recommend if you have a buddy who's also interested in this stuff, that you guys read aloud to one another, that you take notes together, that you ask one another questions. Uh, That's what my partner and I did while reading that book. It made it a lot more digestible because there's some big concepts there. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for like bringing in so much realness. I see this on your Instagram page so much too, which is like mostly where I see your content and like messaging and whatnot. But it, yeah, I appreciate that because it is kind of like that only focusing that like I'm asking from that only focusing on like what's empowering. It's kind of the same as the like spiritual bypassing thing we're talking about of like, let's only look at what's good and great in order to accept something, which is like not the most loving thing. So like, I really appreciate the wholeness and the resources. I'll also link that book in the show yeah, notes. Sure. I think so that, that would be great for people to see it. Yeah. So that people can share that. And then I know that's something that we were excited to talk about is like gender expression. And like, if you're comfortable sharing about your own personal journey with like claiming queerness and gender expression and I love the wording you use that was like not needing to be one thing. Um, yeah, whatever you feel comfortable sharing around what that's been like for you and just like nuggets of, of inspiration or <laughs> wisdom that you may have claimed along the way. Totally. Uh, this might come out as really wonderful and like quotable or just like a big mess of gender <laughs> fuckery. So let's We're just see what it. happens. Okay, cool. Uh, I was actually just talking to my partner this morning about how lucky I feel in terms of what my coming out experience has been like. And just a note that like, I can't remember who it is that I saw say this, but it hit me like, like a freaking bag of bricks right in the face that was like, instead of thinking about it as coming out, instead think about it as letting people in. So like, you're uh, not- I heard it from Karamo on Queer Eye. Yes. Yes. That's yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just <laughs> love that so much. So my experience with letting people into my world and my heart and my queerness was like, I was 12. I, I realized I was queer when I was probably like eight, maybe nine, like super, super young. And I was raised in a family where we talked about queerness and my mom was very much like, you know, gay people, queer people, like we love them. Like there's nothing wrong with being queer, blah, 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 all this stuff. But then I came out 
Okay. My mama cried. She was devastated. And it felt very confusing because I was like, I thought we love queer people. Um, She's like, yeah, I love you. But like, what did I do wrong? Your life is going to be so hard. And I understand what's underneath that. Like your parents Mm -hmm. just want your life to be easy. And unfortunately, the society that we live in does not make things particularly easy for queer people. I mean, Mm -hmm. we are so lucky in Canada, maybe some of the listeners listening from Canada as well, like my family's Persian, like in Iran, like being gay is illegal. Like this is not a thing. So I can understand why my mom was so upset. My dad wasn't really around a lot when I was a kid. So when I came out, I just, he didn't care, which was nice. Cause at least he wasn't mad at me, but he also just didn't really care about me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I started fooling around with girls when I was maybe like 13 14 so super young and just always felt like really comfortable and open about expressing myself in that way because it was just so clearly who I was Mm -hmm. um I think coming out coming I don't know what to call it anymore expressing my queerness verbalizing my queerness to the general public at such a young age definitely left me susceptible to a lot of people like really fixating on it being a phase and I know that that's Mm. something that people of all ages experience but definitely at that age for sure when Mm. you're already going through so many phases like you know your punk phase when you're shopping at Hot Topic that for me unfortunately was also not a phase (laughs) and is literally just who I am you know yes um I think I first used the term gender fluid to describe myself when I was 19 um I was dating um my ex-girlfriend at the time was very much in love with if you're listening to this feel free to like shoot me a message sometime yes. I'd love to hear from you like I miss you a lot um, oh my god love <laughs> there's no way she's gonna mess with me <laughs> but if you're hearing this hey <laughs> Uh, yeah I think she's gonna hear it (laughs) yeah yeah it's gonna happen (laughs) um so yeah I started expressing like I don't know thinking a lot more about gender and just obsessing with like masculinity and femininity and being so confused about what it means and at this point I'm convinced that it means literally nothing Mm -hmm. um and that Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually hold any like inherent meaning and it's just something that we attach to a certain aesthetic that doesn't really mean much more than that but I don't think Mm -hmm. we're at a place yet to bypass like using that terminology because I think that it brings a lot of people a lot of comfort and it just Mm -hmm. allows us to communicate more effectively right now which is kind of just how language goes right yeah yeah. Um, but like a lot of people the pandemic was an integral piece of figuring out more parts of myself and my gender in particular was probably what came into fruition like with the most like is the word veracity? Vol- that makes sense. Uh, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but it is the right energy. <laughs> it came together quickly. Things were happening because yes. uh, I had so much time alone. But more importantly, and I think this is the point that we hear brought up again and again, is that you weren't around as many people. You weren't functioning with like basic society. You were really just spending time with the people that you really wanted to. So not having to perform for so many people definitely showed me more of like what I actually want to look like, what I want to feel like, how I want to present to the world. And mostly that I don't care so much about how I'm presenting to the world and that I just want to do what feels good for me. And that I'm very lucky to be able to have access to that because of the varying types of privilege that I have. 
I'm mm-hmm. thin. I can pass as a cis person. Like I've got a lot of stuff going on that really allows me to exist a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of us obviously are forgetting. Um, but yeah, and I think over the last maybe like two or three months now, I've reached like a totally new level of how I feel around my gender expression that like, I'm really like solid now in this feeling that when I'm presenting as I'm holding the bunny ears quotations femme, that Mm -hmm. if I'm just being perceived as a woman, because I look like I'm expressing the gender that I was assigned at birth, but really what's going on is I'm just a gay twink dressing up as a little girl. And so Mm -hmm. like that gender fuckery, like that circle really helps me just like feel more confident when I'm dressed in a way that I think that I might be misgendered or people aren't going to like understand me. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know how important it is for me personally. Again, I repeat for me personally Mm -hmm. to have my gender um, like mirrored back to me in the way that I see myself because I'm just Mm -hmm. getting so comfortable now with just like feeling cool with who I am. Um, This is definitely not the case for people who are transitioning within both ends of the binary. Like if I'm a man and I very much feel like I am a cis woman, like, yeah, I'm probably going to care a little bit more, you Mm -hmm. know? And like, I just think that we need to let there be room for both of those things to exist. I hear a lot of people like really encouraging those to like not like it doesn't matter if somebody misgenders you like mm-hmm. as long as you know what's going on like not everybody gets that yeah thank you so much for sharing this and like I really appreciate the nuanced conversation I feel like it's the first time on the podcast that we're like really diving into gender expression and identities and I I really appreciate you sharing your own like aspects of your own story in that way and I and I also just really appreciate like the emphasis on like just the fact that we all have our own preferences and needs and like as you're sharing like for me personally right because I think anytime our personal needs we're trying to like impose them on someone else and we're just like I like this thing so you should too like that's when shit gets really wonky and I think sometimes it's coming from a really sweet well-intentioned place when you find something that really works for you or brings you a sense of ease and peace in your life that you want to make these broad general statements that can reach as many people as possible in the hopes that it'll make them feel the same way that it's made you feel but Mm -hmm. it just I can't think of one statement one lesson, one piece of wisdom that is actually going to apply to every person. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I don't know. I think, yeah, we just have to, I think that it's helpful also as individuals when we're consuming content, whether it be an Instagram graphic or listening to a podcast to also be filtering it through the lens of this is somebody else's experience and it doesn't necessarily need to apply to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that it also is a good reminder for the us that are like speaking or putting content out there to also try and remind people that too yeah yeah I'd love to know um I feel like majority of or all of the people (laughs) I don't know if I can say this but who listen to this podcast like like want to do better you know what I mean like they're they're either like having their lived experience or are like people who are wanting to do better, which is amazing, like props to all the humans on that journey. Um, 
and and again acknowledging that like everyone has their own personal preferences and needs so obviously this is not you like speaking for a whole group or anything but just you as an individual like is there anything that makes you feel especially loved and like especially safe in terms of your gender expression and just like your queer your queerness Mm. Hmm. yeah this is a cool question so I could break this down into some categories. So first in terms of like peer support or like emotional support, I definitely only feel safe with people who have like a basic knowledge of like gender versus gender expression versus identity versus sex. Like I need the people around me to have done enough research. And in my life, like that's already pretty much a given. Most of my friends are queer. Most of my friends are trans. Um, there are obviously going to be some pockets of my life like my family in particular where I don't get that but I just know that I'm having a different I just have a different relationship with them Um, so yeah that definitely makes me feel safe and heard when I don't have to be explaining terms I mean we're always learning together right so if I learn something new my friends learn something new like we're having these conversations with one another pretty often which I really appreciate and that Mm -hmm. makes me feel loved um in terms of how I feel like safe and loved by myself for myself I definitely have started like just embracing how important clothing is to me in helping to make me feel like I'm a badass and like I love and care for myself so I was thinking about turning this into a reel but I'll share it with you first my like go-to items for making me feel like wow I really love myself today and like I feel really good in my gender and my identity our first silver rings, mm-hmm. love <laughs> having my hair perfectly platinum mm-hmm. makes me feel great. Platform shoes, my binder, sometimes my packer, button down shirts, eyeliner like those are like the holy group of items for me that just make me feel so, so good. Yes. Um, yeah, does that kind of answer the question? I love this. Also, I'm like, like, okay, full circle fashion journalism. Yeah, like, I know. Interesting. Right? Yeah. I know. I was so resistant to it for so long. Like when I first started exploring <laughs> it, I got pretty lucky. Like I was asked to work for a magazine while I was in uh, university and got to go to Toronto Fashion Week and had a media pass. So I was like, you know, attending all the fashion shows. And I had my little microphone and my assistant and the videographer and photographer and we'd go backstage and I would interview the designers about their collections and write little pieces about it. And I just didn't really, I felt like I didn't really get along with any of the people that I was encountering or I was just, I just felt so inadequate. And like, Mm -hmm. it just brought to the surface, like a lot of my insecurities. And I don't think I was ready for it yet. And I don't think I yet had an understanding of what it meant to cultivate like your personal style. I was definitely very like trend obsessed, which makes sense because at during that period, I was learning a lot about like the history of fashion or like trying to get familiar with designers and like, you know, certain things. But now I'm like, fuck the trends. I'm just going to dress however I want. Platforms are in right now, but I've been mm-hmm. wearing them for a decade and will continue wear, be wearing them for the next, you know, hopefully into my like 90s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like fashion and I'm not embarrassed to say it anymore. Like clothes are powerful mm-hmm. and they help us find community. They help us find our, ourselves. It's fun. It's playful. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I love it. 
Sorry, this I is love so it. cool. No, I'm here for it. I, I've been reflecting on this and like compat things and queerness and whatnot. And like, I used to be so incredibly uh, indifferent about fashion. I was like, I don't get it. Like, I guess I'll just pick out this and this like, and it was kind of like, is this what I'm supposed to wear sort of thing? And then since coming out for the second time as lesbian, I'm like, oh, I get it. Cause it's like actually authentic to me. And so I'm like, oh, there's so much play space in that to like actually find items that like bring that kind of like euphoric feeling of like, wow, this is how I feel on the inside and it's being expressed on the outside. I'm like, I never got that before. So what are some of your favorite items? Like what are the things in your closet that just make you go like, oh, I love. Oh my gosh. Um, definitely things that would be like deemed femme. So like very, like, okay. Things that like, kind of like, um, like a, like typically like a 12 year old girl in like the early thousands would wear like I'm just like unapologetic like butterfly clips yeah love it <laughs> but like like I'm like I want like holographic rollerblades um and I want to just like rollerblade exactly like I have like a big huge rainbow fleece that I'm obsessed with um like metallic pink pink kitty ears sparkles on my face that's damn Marley it, it sounds gay <laughs> It's pretty gay. Yeah, it's pretty gay. <laughs> but that's what I mean when I was trying to dress up like a straight girl, I didn't get fashion. I was like, this is so boring. And like, why do I have to like spend money to like wrap my body in fabrics? Like I was like, <laughs> really just didn't get it. So I, I think there is a lot to be said about like authentic fashion and identity so that's really cool I love there's so year. many ways to express yourself maybe clothes are not for you and that's awesome you get to save so much money and so much time <laughs> in the morning but maybe you're making art or you're dancing like I'm not going to look down on anyone who doesn't care about fashion I would just hope that they're finding another method to express themselves this just yeah. happens to be one that feels really really right for me right now yeah I love that expression it's like yeah. all the many forms of expression. I love this. Okay, I want to hear about you being like super passionate about finding joy in the morning. And I know that you have this like very epic program called Wake the Fuck Up, which you mentioned. Um, so can you tell us more about like what that is and what what inspired that? I also, because we were talking about spiritual bypassing and then we talked about wake the fuck up, I was like, I feel like some people might perceive it as like, wake the fuck up, like in terms of like enlightenment. Some people do. Some yeah, people yeah, yeah, do. yeah. So tell us more about what this is and like, yeah, the inspiration behind it. Yeah, totally. Um, so we'll just deal with the name to start with. I don't know what's going to wake up within you, but all I'm really <laughs> primarily concerned with is you just getting the fuck out of your bed. So take the term as literally as you'd like. And if you want to turn it into something else, like that's on you. Um, the club started out of honestly my own personal necessity and like depression. I do not like the morning. I have not liked the morning for as long as I can remember. The anecdote that I often use when I tell people how challenging I find the mornings to be is to explain to them that as a child, my mother would come and dump a bucket of water on me or sit on me or like just like abuse. My jaw dropped. <laughs> just like not. It was terrible. And I would just be crying wow. or both my parents were uh, bodybuilders. 
And my parents definitely, my dad especially put a like a very heavy emphasis on like working out and like eating right or whatever he thought that that meant. So I would wake up, I'm like 11 years old and I'm getting a straw put into my mouth with like a protein shake. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is literally, it was just ridiculous. Okay. So I don't like the morning, (laughs) never liked the morning. And when I transitioned into what we'd call, um, do they call this adulthood? I don't know. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. Um, I found it just pretty much impossible to wake up unless I had somebody else to show up for. And so I would sleep until the last possible moment until I'm, if I don't get up right now, I'm going to miss class. If I don't Mm -hmm. get up right now, I'm going to miss work. There was no space in my mind to even conceptualize what it would mean to spend time like doing a nice thing for myself in the morning like that just wouldn't have been reason enough to get up the only thing that was going to get me up was pure fear you know which is a great motivator it's a great Mm -hmm. motivator my inner bully he's strong like you know he's pretty capable makes sense needed to develop as an adaptive strategy But, you know, as we get older, we learn more things about ourselves, more experiences. Maybe we start to realize that these adaptive strategies um, were very helpful at one point in time, but are now causing harm. And maybe we can start to find something else to replace them. Um, So I started this last January. Uh, Pandemic was like full swing here in Ontario. We were on lockdown number 72 and it was just bad and so I thought maybe I'm not the only I can't be the only one who hates the morning this much like Mm -hmm. I wonder what would happen if I just asked people to turn their cameras on in a zoom call like from bed and I just guided us through like different wake-up strategies every day and we could just see what stuck and Mm -hmm. during that first call uh, I turned I left everybody's mics on by mistake Mm -hmm. and that ended up being one of the most crucial parts of the program was that you could just hear everybody yawning and talking and becoming friendly with one another mm-hmm. and it was really 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 wonderful and then over time the club started to transition into being a queer space only mm-hmm. and we had a very large group so I was making enough money to hire outside facilitators so we'd have other people step in on certain mornings or like offer other programming which was really cool We had a very robust Discord channel. Um, A lot of us were very like kinky and sex positive. So we had like lots of like NSFW options and like ways to flirt with people. I ended up meeting my group of best friends from this program. A couple of people started dating. Like it was really wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I'm, I'm still in the program. It's definitely like changed quite a bit since those first few rounds. I can say for a fact that my relationship with the morning has changed quite a lot. And it's been really interesting to see how these other humans have also started to build new relationships with it too. Yeah, so cool. And I just, I think that a theme definitely woven into this whole conversation is like how pivotal the pandemic has been and like the impacts of the pandemic and in many different ways, like lovely and hard and challenging, joyful, like all the things. And like, I definitely, like Ontario's just gone into, or at least Toronto's gone into another lockdown. And like, there is that feeling of sometime of like, what are we doing? Like, why, what are we doing? We're just like waking up every day and like- For what? Some shit, like for what? And, and I think that so many people are feeling that. And so I think it's just such a beautiful thing to like create that 
anchor and consistency every morning. And also community, right? Like we place so much emphasis on like personal responsibility, but also personal success. And Mm -hmm. that like something is only valuable or something is only impressive if you like pulled yourself up from the bootstraps and like got it done yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know whether, I I mean, I don't believe that. I don't think that that is like our main measure of success or how we should, the standard we should be holding ourselves up to. So I think that it's really lovely getting to wake up with a group of people and seeing everyone else's faces and having a little bit of encouragement to like take care of yourself and do kind things for yourself. And, you know, we recognize within the program that that there is a mix between, you know, challenge and coming up against like sticky bits, like developing routine or changing habits is like a gruesome, like grueling process but Mm -hmm. that that can be happening and simultaneously there can potentially be some space for like joy and pleasure and silliness and feeling like Mm -hmm. a kid so we have like 90s themed dance parties and then we also like try and journal about the deep shit and like consider Mm -hmm. how and what kinds of communities we want to show up for and maybe also do our dishes and like you know just kind of yeah making space for all of it wholeness yes So good. I also really appreciate what you're saying about like community. And I'm curious if that was like a value that you were raised with and you grew up with, or if there was a specific like, like a time in your life where you were like, oh, holy shit, community is really powerful. And that started like shifting things. Mm. I'd say that the first thing that comes to mind is my grandmother. Um, Really beautiful, beautiful Iranian woman and she's just always had so many friends like you've never seen anybody in in your life who has as many friends as this woman does and you know she's like in her 70s now and like most of her friends are like in her in their 30s like Mm. she just has like a very wide net of humans that she keeps around and I think that was probably my first example of seeing like so many people come together to like take care of one another Mm-hmm. And it was just so lovely to see. And so I remember always being like, oh, like I want for, like as many friends as my grandma. Like I want people to love me and to like love as hard as my grandma does. Like mm-hmm. she's so cool. I really love her. Um, I'm definitely a very social person, very extroverted. And so mm-hmm. I've always liked having people around. And then as I maybe entered like university and definitely made more of an effort to join in like queer community, I definitely started noticing the difference between just like quantity, like just having people around to avoid being alone versus Mm -hmm. like having people that around that share a collective vision or like share similar values. And that's obviously made a huge difference for me Mm -hmm. in terms of like how I choose to spend my social time or what kinds of communities I want to be a part of. Um, So the queer community and now like the sex work community and also like the kinky polyamorous community are all ones that I feel like I'm an active participant in a community that I feel very drawn to maybe not create myself but to maybe like maybe I would co-facilitate something or to find myself as a middle eastern queer community Mm. like I definitely want to spend more time talking to people who were raised with like similar values as me or like you know just to be around other middle eastern queers would be really cool so mm-hmm. if you're Middle Eastern queer, please shoot me a message. Yay. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love all the invitations. You're like past girlfriend. Give me a message. <laughs> Here's me just assuming that 
everybody's listening like you have the most popular podcast in the world I like that I like that sentiment I'm I am also here for that sentiment (laughs) that's awesome yeah thank you for that I feel like that's such a freaking important message right now in pandemic times like the power of community and community that feels really good and just like so many of us are like I live in a, I live solo in an apartment in Toronto and I'm just like, oh my God, humans, like freaking human connection is, is really key. And it's pretty wild how much our, our culture forgets that and takes like an individualistic approach. So yay for community and your grandma sounds incredibly magical. So like much love to grandma. Yeah, she's pretty um, cool. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love grandparent appreciation conversations. I think it's like incredibly humanizing. So is there anything else that you want to share with the people or just like feel really inspired maybe like today or in this moment to talk about? No, you just need to ask another question. I can't have this much pressure put on you right now. I can't do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, what, what helped you wake up this morning today is a pretty scary day this podcast being one of the things that was on my list of scary things to do today um so I definitely woke up this morning I wake up at 6 30 the club starts at 7 so I have 30 oh minutes gosh. to like do Good my own you. thing and so this morning when I woke up I was right away I was like oh my god like oh god like they're so okay stop okay like everything's gonna be okay um but yeah there's like some exciting things going on today had a wonderful wake the fuck up round with everyone got to speak to you and then right after this I'm offering a intimate session to a couple Mm -hmm. um so they'll be together in their space and I have like a wonderful array of like intimacy building exercises for us to kind of move through together set to a sick ass playlist might I add mm-hmm. um but yeah definitely what if I'm being honest what got, got me up today was like there's so much to do um but there's still I have this hour and a half essentially to like do these nice things for me first like I'm aware of all those other things that need to happen for sure yeah but it doesn't need to I don't need to think about it right now like there I there is time allocated to worry about those things after so mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. keep coming back keep coming back keep coming back yeah that session sounds so freaking beautiful and I just really appreciate you like doing this podcast and also being transparent about like the stress around the podcast or the nerves around the podcast and I and I just think like full circle to the imposter syndrome comment at the beginning and just knowing how many people constantly tell me every time that comes up they're like this like I feel that too I just think it's really cool to get on a podcast and to like name those nerves because I think so many people listen in and they're like oh I wish I could be that person but I could never do that or Mm -hmm. like that's not me or like I have to overcome all feelings of like not enoughness in order to do the things that I want to do yeah likely not gonna happen like it's still gonna be there and I think maybe I don't know maybe somebody else can relate to this maybe you can relate to this I feel as if I often fluctuate between wanting to be that person aka not letting it on to anyone that I'm feeling this way because there's almost this part of me that like wants to feel the validation of like 
people looking up to me or even being like jealous of me, even if it's a version of me that doesn't actually even exist at all, because Mm -hmm. it's so vulnerable to actually like say the truth and to let people in. And for me, this strange little voice that comes in is, oh, now you seem less impressive. Like how much easier would it be if nobody knew all of these things that you were dealing with and then you just were like a totally like drool worthy person who just had it all together like that sounds like such a relief and so far from who I am as a person and probably a lot of us Mm -hmm. but yet we can know that and still think that people are perfect I don't know it's such a mindfuck it is a mindfuck thank you for that yeah I I think the most loving I think my most loving version of the world includes us just being like so fucking authentic and I just like I'm so I'm so um appreciative of like authenticity that goes beyond how authentic we're supposed to be I'm like elated by it I'm like you said you're nervous about the podcast on the podcast like so revolutionary um like something in me gets really elated by that so I just I definitely relate and I think that yeah if we're sacrificing all of our authentic expression in order to be loved then like we're not even really being loved (laughs) yeah I guess not (laughs) but anyways I feel a lot of love for you in your authentic expression and I really appreciate it and I know that a lot of people listening will too how can humans connect with you and support your work and like maybe join the wake the fuck up club if they're feeling that totally yeah cool um so my instagram is at yaz.thehuman and my dom account is at non-binary dom if you go to the yaz the human account you can find all of the information to sign up for the february and potentially a march round of wake the fuck up i'm also exploring the idea of having a pst a pacific time zone version of this for Mm -hmm. February. So if you're interested in that and you have any questions, you're more than welcome to send me a DM, but all of the information is available on my page. You can also stay up to date on that page to find information about Yintimate as that comes and additional like yoga and movement type classes as they become available. If you are interested in watching a queer dating reality show, I hosted one recently for uh, called Dating Unlocked, which will be available throughout TV February 14th. So you can access that on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, um, and directly through OutTV. And if you scream really, really, really loudly outside, I'll know that it's for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. And that's how you can get in contact with me. <laughs> scream. Yes. Oh my gosh. I really... I'm excited about all the screams that that might inspire. Um, also, that show sounds so good. I did not know you did you did that, and I'm like really excited to watch that entire series. The outfits amazing. Oh the gosh. stylish amazing. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening, loves. I hope that you appreciated this conversation and received as much education and empowerment and beauty from these shares as much as I did. Definitely go follow Yaz on Instagram. Check out Wake the Fuck Up 
love, support their work. They're doing so many amazing things. And also, I super invite you to check out my free training on sensual self-love and embodied safety. If you haven't yet, you'll find the link for that in the show notes. So many tangible tools in that training to cultivate a really loving relationship with yourself, to experience some guided somatic practices, to regulate your nervous system, to feel beautiful, safe, powerful within your body. There's just so much magic shared in there. So check it out. The link is marleylist.com slash free training. And I can't wait to hear how this goes for you. Excited to share another episode of the podcast next week. Get ready for another amazing guest and I hope you have a beautiful day.